Welcome to today's reading of the Sioux City Journal for December 29th, 2023. I'm your reader, Katie Davis. Here's our first story. It's titled, Towering Tortillas, Taqueria La Fogada Brings Authentically Mexican Meals to Former Tony's Pizza Location. Um, it um, is covered with a, a story, I mean, excuse me, with a photo of a woman um, in what looks to be a restaurant's kitchen with uh, red tiled floors. She wears um, a, a black blouse and a hairnet, and um, she's working over um, a hard, it's hard to say, it appears to be a sort of container with aluminum foil on its top, and she's rolling sort of like a gray paste around on the um, foil. Uh, In front of her are big bowls, um, and uh, behind her are tortillas um, being grilled on a big open-air kind of stove. Um, It's captioned, Restaurant Matriarch Lupe Aguilar, makes a blue corn tortilla at Taquiera um, La Fogada, 1919 Pier Street in Sioux City. The Taqueria, open for about a year in the former Tony's Pizza building, features unlimited house-made tortillas. Um, article by Earl Horlick. Sioux City, Guadalupe um, Agu- Aguilar is like a tortilla-making machine. Alternately, grabbing some white masa flour and blue masa flour, she'll place it in a press before cooking it on a grill. Guadalupe, known simply as Lupe to friends and to family and friends, will make more than 12,000 tortillas every weekend at Taqueria La Forgada, an authentic Mexican restaurant she runs with daughters Mira and Dulce Aguilar. Our mom is amazing, Mira said, smiling as Lupe works her culinary magic. All of her tor- all of her tortillas are exactly the same size, and she makes them so quickly. The Aguilar's opened Taqueria La Fogada, the former Tony's Pizza at 1917 Pier Street, nearly a year ago. Lupe, a longtime cook, has always wanted to own a restaurant, and she wanted to name it La Fogada after a California eatery she enjoyed. Fogata is a Spanish word for bonfire. Oh, sorry. Fogata is the Spanish word for bonfire, Mira explained. That seems like an appropriate name for a place known for its fiery food. To be fair, La Fogata is actually a place where you can get all types of food. Open most days at 8 a.m., the restaurant has a steady breakfast crowd before getting ready for lunch, dinner, and nowadays a late-night crowd. A while back, we expanded to include a bar, a dance floor, and a stage for karaoke, Mira said. We hope things will get hopping around here. Still, the focus at La, La Fogada will remain on Lupe's homemade tortillas. Um, there's another photo near the bottom of A1 of uh, Mira uh, Aguilar with a black blouse um, holding up um, two dishes um, in front of her mother who holds another dish. Um, they stand in the middle of the restaurant which has like columns in it, like arches and columns of um, colored with um, orange and yellow and uh, yellow and orange walls. 
as well. Um, and there's a bar, or what I think is a bar, on like the far back wall. This is captioned, Mira Aguilar left and her mother, and her mother Lupe Aguilar, are shown as Taquiera La Fogada, uh, 1919 Pierce Street in Sioux City. A native of Mexico, Lupe Aguilar, wanted to name the restaurant Fogada, which is a Spanish word for bonfire. Um, this article continues on to page two. Um, we give our customers a limited amount of tortillas, Mira said. People can't get enough of them. Uh, indeed, the tortillas are the basis for La Fogada's meaty breakfast burritos as well as the lunchtime carnita tacos. Yet they really shine in the three-meat fajita dish that's a dinnertime showstopper. With big chunks of steak, shrimp, and chicken, La Fogada's fajita, fajita excuse me, is also served with rice, refried, refried beans, and a colorful collection of grilled onions and peppers. But don't be surprised if Lupe comes up with many more ways to utilize her, her, her tortillas. Mom can make anything she sets her mind to make, Mira said, and everything turns out delicious. Well, Mira certainly is no not a slouch herself. Oh, uh, well, Mira certainly is no slouch herself. A server since she was a teenager, Mira has worked at many of Sioux City's favorite eateries. Currently, she's helping develop La Fogada's special Lint menu. We always work a few months ahead of time, Mira explained. I'm sure we'll be making plenty of uh, tilapia, I believe, T-I-L-A-P-I-A, and fried fish before we know it. No doubt Lupe's tortillas will be a centerpiece on many of the restaurant's Lent-inspired meals. However, Mira will likely leave the tortilla making to her mom. I can make a lot of things in the kitchen, and so can my mom, Mira said. When it comes to tortillas, mom does it better than me and anybody else. As Lupe returned to Taqueria, Taqueria um, La Fogada's kitchen, her daughter looked on in amazement. Mom is truly the queen of tortillas, Mira said with a smile. On page two, the article has one last photo of a collection of dishes and bowls. One of the dishes seems to be lined with a sort of like crocheted cloth um, with like uh, white in the center and like orange sort of crocheted along the fringe. It's captioned, shrimp, chicken, and steak combo fajitas with rice, beans, and house-made tortillas are known at Taqueria La Fogada. The family-owned business recently expanded to include a bar, a dance floor, and a stage at the former location of Tony's Pizza. Going back to page one, um, the column article along the right is titled, Woodbury County, uh, 3% raise proposed for county officials Compensation Board met Thursday to discuss wage increases. Um, it's uh, followed. It's a attached to this are photos of four people. Um, one one is a man with uh, white hair. The other is a woman with blonde, sort of shoulder-length hair. Another is a man with like a close-cropped, like black hair and glasses. The other is a man with a sort of. Um, I guess you could say like a marine kind of haircut um, um, from the first to last. Their names are Gil, Bertrand, Loomis, and Sheehan. Um, article by Caitlin Yamada, Sioux City. The 
Woodbury County Compensation Board met Thursday to discuss wage increase recommendations for elected officials. The Compensation Board recommended a 3% across-the-board increase for the Woodbury County Supervisors, Auditor Pat Gill, Treasurer Tina Bertrand, County Attorney James Loomis, and Chairs Chad Sheehan for or Sheehan, it's uh, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, for fiscal year 2025 budget. The recommendation is the lowest in the last few years. The Compensation Board looked at how the county ranks in size for the state and then how the elected officials rank for pay in state. They also considered inflation and cost of living. County Compensation Boards annually recommend salaries for each county elected official. The members are appointed by these elected officials who are barred by state law from setting their own salaries. The members are Rhonda Brokamp, Brokamp, B-R-O-C-K-A-M-P, Bridges, Bob Stewart, Doug Phillips, Al Sturgeon, Dan Lind, and Ryan Beardshire. The the compensation board's hands are tied when it comes to the sheriff's compensation recommendation due to, quote-unquote, sorry, excuse me, due to Back the Blue, a bill signed by Governor Cam Reynolds in 2022. The bill requires compensation boards to set sheriff salaries based on police chief salaries in cities with comparable um, populations. For Sheehan, that would be uh, uh, Sioux City Police Chief Rex Mueller. The compensation board Sheehan salary is now close to Mueller's salary. For the current budget fiscal year 2023, the board recommended a 7% increase for the auditor, treasurer, and attorney, a 10% increase for the Board of Supervisors, and a 2020, uh, 20, 22% increase to the sheriff's salary. All the increases were impro- approved. In 2022, the Compensation Board recommended a 31.35% uh, percent increase for the sheriff. The supervisors slashed that to 17.35%. They also recommended a 9% increase for the auditor and a treasurer, and they received a 4.99% increase. A 13% increase for the attorney, who received 721 A 22% increase for the supervisors, who took a 0% increase. In 2021, the Compensation Board recommended a 2.75% increase across the board for all elected officials. The Comp Board recommendation was also 2.75 in 2020 and 2018, with a more complicated percentage proposal for the nine officials in 2019. The recommendation will go in front of the Board of Supervisors in the coming months. The Board then has the option to approve the increases, increase them, or decrease the recommendation by the same percentage for all elected officials. These increases also impact the department's deputies, who get a percentage of the increase. Supervisors claim Iowa Code allows the Board to separate the supervisor's pay from other elected officials 30 days before approving the Compensation Board's recommendation. If the board does not separate from the others, all elected officials would be reduced by the same percentage as the supervisor pay. The Board of Supervisors has not started the budget review process, but Budget Director Dennis Butler has said it will be more difficult due to law changes this year. Beneath this article is another titled Dornt Dords, D-O-R-D-T, says Trump rally incongruent with school. Trump moves campaign stop to center event. Article by Caitlin Yamada. Sioux City, Iowa. Former President Donald Trump was scheduled to make a stop at Dort 
University, but the event has been moved because the vision of the Trump campaign and Dort were incongruent. Last week, it was announced Trump would stop at the Dort University Campus Center on January 5th in Sioux City. The event has now been rescheduled for the Terrace View Event Center in Sioux Center. Uh, on the events page of the Donald J. Trump website, it states that the event is still scheduled to start at 4 p.m., with doors to open at 1 p.m. on January 5th. Dort University invites every political candidate in good standing with his or her political party to visit the campus each election, election cycle, according to a Dort news release. The release states Dort maintains a neutral stance on politics and intended the event to be educational in nature and allow students to ask questions of the candidates. The Trump campaign started the process of lining up a campaign stop by, but desired a rally format, according to the news release. Dort understood that President Trump's visit would not be publicized until the format was finalized after the new year. Ultimately, the vision of the Trump campaign and Dort were incongruent, and the event will not take place at the university. Trump's campaign visits to Sioux Center and Mason City will come 10 days before the caucuses. When he held an event in Sioux Center on January 23, 2016, less than two weeks before that year's caucuses, Trump remarked he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? The event in Sioux Center will take place after a month, about a month after four other 2024 GOP candidates, DeSantis, Haley, Ohio businessman Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, and Texas pastor Ryan Binkley attended a Faith and Family with the Feenstras function at the Dort University campus. This can't cycle Trump has yet to appear with Randy Feenstra, the two-term congressman who represents Iowa's 4th Congressional District, which is the most conservative in the state. Moving on to page 2. Um, the top article is titled, Unclear How Fort Dodge Air Guard Unit Ends Will End Will Affect 185th Article by Nick Heitrick um, with a photo of what looks to be... Um, it's hard to say. It's like a sort of a tunnel, but it, it appears to be made of plastic and and um, PCP pipe. Um, but I could be wrong about that. Um, inside it, it's like a group of people somewhere, um, like military camo. Um, and there's um, sort of these big beige boxes that... Um, have like a headphone set on top of them and like computer monitors and behind this is a um and like an easel with a white sort of poster board um the image is a little blurry but um it does at the top say 75 anniversary um sioux city just how the future relocation and change of mission at of a Fort Dodge-based Iowa Air National Guard unit affects the 185th Air Refueling Wing in Sioux City won't be known for some time. The only sure thing is that the 133rd Test Squadron, Squadron's mission is ending in coming years. When what will happen and what becomes of its 100 or so full-time employees and traditional part-time Guard members remains to be seen. Still a long way out with a lot of uncertainty, said Brig, um, Brig General Mark Muckey, 
a former 185th Wing commander who's now Deputy Adjutant General of the Iowa National Guard Joint Force Headquarters. The 185th currently has administrative oversight over the Fort Dodge unit, and leaders there report to 185th Wing Commander um, Colonel Sonia Morrison. Whether that existing relationship means 133rd members will be transferred to Sioux City is unknown. If the past is an indicator, they do their best to find a home for everyone, said Senior Master Sergeant Vince DeGroot, 185th Public Affairs Superintendent. DeGroote compared it to the 185th conversion from fighter jets to fuel tankers in 2003. Some of the pilots and crew remained in Sioux City and transitioned to a the new air refueling mission. Others transferred to other units to remain with fighter aircraft. Mucky said expectations are that many of the 133rd members will end up at the 185th in Sioux City or the 132nd wing in Des Moines. The majority of the positions at the Fort Dodge unit exist in Sioux City and Des Moines, making a likely landing spot for displaced 133rd members. Others with highly specialized training may choose to go elsewhere in order to continue in a similar position. One of a kind unit, a one of a kind unit, the 133rd Test Squadron, which celebrated its 75th anniversary earlier this year. Tests, radars, radios, computer systems, and other electronics for the Air Force, in addition to performing air traffic control duties. The decision to divest the unit came from Air Force and National Guard leaders in Washington, D.C., not Iowa, Mucky said, and as part of the Air Force's ongoing restructuring to consolidate smaller, geographically isolated units like the 133rd with larger units. As security measures at military installations increase, security costs at smaller bases like the one in Fort Dodge can run nearly as high as those at larger bases. The bottom line to Fort Dodge at the location is complicated to maintain, Mucky said. It's not financially feasible to have these geographically separated units. We've seen the handwriting on the wall for some time. Lozis article is another titled Cone Park to open for season on January 5th. Article by Dolly A. Butts, Sioux City. The Cone Park Tubing Hill and Ice Skating Rink will officially open for the season January 5th, according to a statement from the Sioux City Parks and Recreation Department. Mild weather in the days leading up to Christmas delayed the opening of the main tubing hill in Blue Bunny Hill, a shorter hill designed for people of all ages. Parks and Recreation would like to thank the community for their patience, as we have experienced an unseasonably warm December which delayed the opening day. We cannot wait to welcome everyone to the park for an amazing winter season, the statement said. Snow tubing fees are increasing for the first time in the park's history after the City Council approved a proposal to raise admission by $3 for the upcoming season. Tubers will pay $10 or $15, depending on the day of the week. Reduced rates for low-income families will continue to be offered. Tickets can be purchased on Cone Park's website at the Park and Rec Administration Office, Administrative Office, 550 Expo Center Drive, or by calling 712-279-6126. That's 712-279-6126. Snow tubes will be provided at the Park, 3800 Lines Drive, Outside, tubes or boards are not allowed. Due to limited capacity and high demand, patrons are asked to purchase their tickets in advance in order to minimize ticket window lines at the park. 
For a complete list of operating dates, hours, and right rates, visit ConeParkSiouxCity.com. ConeParkSiouxCity.com. Cone Park was awarded the Outstanding Attraction Honor from the Iowa Tourism Bureau and the Travel Federation of Iowa in 2019 during the park's sixth winter season. Last year, the park, which opened for the season on December 21st, recorded revenue out, recorded record attendance, 29,059 visitors, as well as record revenue, $346,003. Besides this, is a small brief article um, titled Sioux City Police Seeking Missing Man on uh, Sioux City. The Sioux City Police Department is seeking the public's help in locating a missing man. The department said in a Facebook post Thursday that 20-year-old Dao Ding Ador, I believe, D-A-U-D-E-N-G Ador, A-D-O-R, of Sioux City was last seen Monday in Sergeant Bluff. Um... Dao Dingador is an African-American male. He is 5 foot 11 inches tall and weighs 125 pounds. Anyone with information on Dao Dingador's whereabouts is asked to call the Sioux City Police Department at 712-279-6440. That's 712-279-6440. I apologize if that name was um, wrong. Um, it's this article is accompanied with a small photo of um, a door. He um, is an African-American man with uh, short cropped hair. And it appears that the rest of the articles are just continuations from uh, the first page. Moving on to page three for Nation and World. The, for um, the top... Uh, the top article um, is titled State Official Bars Trump, U.S. Supreme Court to Weigh State Authority to Block Ex-President, article by Nicholas Riccardi and David Sharp for the Associated Press. Um, Idaho. Moscow, Idaho. The house where four University of Idaho, Portland, Maine. Maine's Democratic Secretary of State on Thursday removed former President Donald Trump from the state's presidential primary ballot under the Constitution's Insurrection Clause, the first election official to take action um, unilaterally at the, as the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to decide whether Trump remains eligible to return to the White House. Secretary of State Shinna Bellows' decision follows a ruling earlier this month by the Colorado Supreme Court that booted Trump from the ballot there under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That decision has been stayed until the U.S. Supreme Court decides whether Trump is barred by the Civil War era provision, which prohibits those who engaged in insurrection from holding office. Bellows found Trump could no longer run for his prior job because his role in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol violated Section 3. She made their ruling after some state residents, including a bipartisan group of former lawmakers, challenged Trump's position on the ballot. I do not reach this conclusion lightly, Bellows wrote in her 34-page decision. I am mindful that no Secretary of State has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. I am also mindful, however, that no presidential candidate has ever before engaged in insurrection.
The Trump campaign immediately slammed the ruling. We are witnessing in real time the attempted theft of an election and the disenfranchisement of the American voter. Campaign spokesman Stephen Chung, C-H-E-U-N-G, said in a statement, the Trump campaign said it would appeal Bellow's decision to Maine state courts, and Bellow suspended her ruling until that court system rules on the case. Legal experts said Thursday's ruling demonstrates the need for the nation's highest court, which has never ruled on Section 3, to clarify what states can do. The timing on the U.S. Supreme Court's decision is unclear. Colorado's Republican Party appealed the Colorado High Court decision Wednesday, urging an expedited schedule, and Trump also is expected to file an appeal within the week. Petitioners in the Colorado case urged the nation's highest court Thursday to adopt an even faster schedule so it could rule before March 5th, Super Tuesday, when 16 states, including Colorado and Maine, will vote in the Republican presidential dominating process. The high court needs to formally accept the case first, but legal experts consider that a certainty. Below this um, is a photo of what appears to be a um, construction uh, sort of equipment um, destroying or demolishing um, what might be a townhouse, a sort of like um, stacked condo situation. Oh, um, it's captioned, heavy equipment is used Thursday to demolish the house where four University of Idaho students were killed in 2022, Moscow, Idaho. Site of student killings leveled. Prosecutors' defense already took evidence for an upcoming trial. Article by Claire Rush and Ted Warren for the Associated Press. Idaho, Moscow, Idaho. The house where four University of Idaho students were killed last year was demolished Thursday, marking an emotional step for the victim's family and a close-knit community that was shocked and devastated by the brutal stabbings. The sound of construction equipment pierced the early morning air as an excavator started tearing um, down the front part of the house. The former walls formed a large pile of crushed and smashed wood on the ground as debris was picked up and loaded into a dump truck. A few onlookers joined dozens of members of the news media. The owner of the rental home near the university campus in Moscow, Idaho, donated it to the university this year. It was since boarded up and blocked off by a security fence. Students Ethan Chapin, Zana Kernodal, Madison Mogan, and Kylie uh, Goncalv, Goncalves, G-O-N-C-A-L-V-E-S, were stabbed to death there in November 2022. School officials who in February announced plans to raise the house viewed the demolition as a key step forward toward healing and finding closure, university spokesperson Jody Walker said. It's incredibly powerful and emotional to see it come down, she said as she watched the demolition. We've turned into that next chapter, whether whatever that chapter, next chapter is, and that definitely is a bit of relief. Brian Koberger, a former criminology graduate student at Washington State University in neighboring Pullman, Washington, is charged with four counts of murder. The concerns for victims' families previously prompted the university to push back its timeline for demolition. After initially announcing the plan in February, the school in July said it would pause the process and revisit it in October. Prosecutors, who hope to try Koberger next summer, told university officials they don't anticipate needing the house any further, as they were already able to gather measurements necessary for creating illustrative exhibits for a jury. 
Koberger's defense team was given access to the home this month to gather photos, measurements, and other documentation. In October, the FBI gathered at the house to collect data that would be used to create visual aids for jurors at the upcoming trial. You are listening to the Sioux City Journal on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. All material heard on IRIS is intended solely for the use of the blind and print disabled. I am your reader, Katie Davis. If you have any comments on this or any other IRIS program, please give us a call at 515-243-6833. That's 515-243-6833. Below this article are two more um, split um, between each other. The one on the left is titled Dozens Killed as Israel Expands Gaza Offensive. Airstrikes Hit Cities, Towns, Refugee Camps Across the Territory. Article by the Associated Press. Um, Dear Al-Bala, Gaza Strip. Israeli forces bombarded cities, towns, and refugee camps across Gaza on Thursday, killing dozens of children in a widening offensive against Hamas that forced thousands more to flee from homes and shelter in recent days. The war already killed more than 20,000 Palestinians and drove about 85% of the population, 2.3 million, from their homes. Much of northern Gaza has been leveled and has been largely depopulated and isolated for weeks. Many fear a similar fate awaits the south as Israel expands its offensive to to most of the tiny enclave. Israel vowed to dismantle Hamas, which is still putting up stiff resistance, and bring back more than 100 hostages still held by the militants after their October 7th attack in southern Israel. That assault killed some 1,200 people, mostly civilians. Israeli officials brushed off international calls for a ceasefire, saying it would amount to a victory for Hamas. Humanitarian workers say the amount of food, fuel, and medical supplies entering Gaza is still far below what is needed, and one in four Palestinians in Gaza is starving, according to UN officials. The one besides um, this article, to the right of it, um, lawyers prosecuting military sexual assaults, Congress pressured Pentagon to employ independent attorneys, article by the Associated Press. Washington. The U.S. military on Thursday opened a new chapter in how it investigates and prosecutes cases of sexual assault and other major crimes, putting independent lawyers in charge of those decisions and sidelining sidelining commanders after years of pressure from Congress. The chain... The change, sorry, long resisted by Pentagon leaders, was finally forced by frustrated members of Congress who believed that too often commanders would fail fail to take victims' complaints seriously or would try to protect accused perpetrators and their units. The new law was fueled by a persistent increase in sexual assaults and harassment across the military. The Air Force, the Marine Corps, and the Navy all saw reported sexual assaults go up last year, but a sharp 9% drop in reports from the Army drove the, all, drove the overall number down. In 2021, reported assaults spiked by 13%. Under the law, new special counsels will have the authority to make prosecution decisions on a number of major crimes. Senior officials from the military service who are familiar with the new program said they have more than 160 special trial counsels who will take other prosecution decisions as of Thursday. Uh, Moving on to the Reader's Digest, which um, is a column on the left of page 3. 
uh, documents. The first one's titled Documents Unsealed in Capital Riot Case. Um, a Pennsylvania man sentenced in secret for his role in the U.S. Capitol riot cooperated with authorities investigating the January 6, 2021 attack in an unrelated case, uh, according to court documents unsealed this week. The documents were unsealed Wednesday after a coalition of news outlets moved to publicly release records in this case. They provide insight into the unusual secrecy in the, the case of Samuel Azar, who was released from federal custody in September after completing his sentence. The unsealed records show Lazar of Ephrata, I believe, E-P-H-R-A-T-A, Pennsylvania, admitted he sprayed a chemical irritant at police at the Capitol and used a bullhorn to encourage rioters to take officers' weapons. He pleaded guilty to assaulting officers using a dangerous weapon and was sentenced to 30 months in prison in March. Below this is an article titled, World Population Up by 75 Million This Year. The world population grew by 75 million people over the past year, and on New Year's Day it will stand at more than 8 billion people, according to figures released Thursday by the U.S. Census Bureau. The worldwide growth rate in the past year was just under 1%. At the start of 2024, according to the Census Bureau figures, 4.3 births and 2 deaths are expected worldwide every second. The growth rate for the United States in the past year was 0.53% after half the worldwide figure about about half the worldwide figure. The US added 1.7 million people and will have a population on New Year's Day of 335.8 million people. At the time of 2024, at the start of 2024, the US is expected to see one birth every 9 seconds and one death every 9.5 seconds. However, immigration will keep the population from dropping. A uh, border dispute. Venezuela's president ordered the military to conduct defensive exercises Thursday in the Eastern Caribbean after the United Kingdom sent a warship toward uh, Guyana, I believe, G-U-Y-A-N-A's um, territorial waters amid a border dispute between the South American neighbors. Space plane. The U.S. military's X-37B space plane blasted off Thursday on another secretive mission that's expected to last at least a couple of years. It took off aboard SpaceX's Falcon Heavy rocket from NASA's Kennedy Space Center more than two weeks late because of technical issues. Unemployment Aid more Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week, but not enough to raise concern about the labor market or broader economy. Claims rose to 218,000 for the week ending December 23rd, an increase of 12,000 from the prior week, the Labor Department reported Thursday. Korean Tensions during a key political meeting to set state objectives for 2024, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un called for bolstered war readiness to repel what he said were unprecedented U.S.-led confrontational moves, state media reported Thursday. Maps. A federal judge accepted New Georgia voting districts um, Thursday that protect Republican partisan advantages, saying new majority black voting districts solved the prior maps illegal minority vote dilution. dilution. Crackdown. Russian poet Artyom, Artyom, that's A-R-T-Y-O-M, Kamardin, I believe, received a seven-year prison sentence Thursday for reciting verses against Russia's war in Ukraine during a Moscow street performance in 2022 amid the Kremlin's relentless crackdown on dissent. Skipping page four because it's just a big advertisement for the paper to page five. 
which is the sports section. Um, the top article um, shows a man uh, wearing a football uniform. Uh, it's mostly white with um, sort of like black and orange accents. Um, the name on his jersey is uh, Flaco or Flacco. I'm not sure. F-L-A-C-C-O and the number 15. He is on the field and seems to be pointing up. I'm not sure whether just straight up at the sky or into the audience. Um, uh, it's captioned, Cleveland Browns quarterback Joe Flacco reacts after throwing a touchdown pass during Thursday's game against the New York Jets in Cleveland. Browns keep rolling, clinch, pro- clinch postseason bid. Cleveland tops Jets for franchise's second playoff spot in 21 years. Article by Tom Withers. Um, Cleveland. Joe Flacco passed for 309 yards and three touchdowns, and the Cleveland Browns clinched an unlikely playoff berth, just their second since 2002. Despite numerous injuries this season with um, a 37-20 win over the New York Jets on Thursday night, the Browns, 11-5, to are assured of a wild-card spot and still have a chance to win the AFC North and maybe the conference's number one overall seed, something that seemed unfathomable just weeks ago as major injuries piled up. But things have changed since Flacco arrived. Cleveland has been charmed. The 38-year-old quarterback improved to 4-1 as a starter with the Browns, who in who plucked the Super Bowl 47 MVP off his couch in New Jersey last month to hopefully rescue their season. He's done that and more. Flacco threw two touchdown passes to Jerome Ford in the first half as the Browns built a 20-point lead over the Jets, 6-10, who chose not to re-sign, who, sorry, excuse me, who chose not to re-sign the 15-year veteran, veteran after he spent three seasons with them and after Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles tendon uh, in week one. Flacco torched New York for 296 yards in the first half and became the first quarterback in 34 games to go over 300 yards against the Jets. He's also the first Cleveland quarterback to pass for more than 304 straight. The Jets were forced to start Trevor Siemian, S-I-E-M-I-A-N, for the second week in a row with Zach Wilson sidelined by a concussion. Siemian has been has some nice moments, but an overall overthrow late in first quarter was returned 30 yards by a touch for a touchdown by safety Ronnie Hickman to put the Browns up 20 to 7. New York's Jermaine Johnson had a pick seven in the second quarter when he beautifully deflected Flacco's pass to himself and returned it 37 yards. Um, nothing has been easy this season for the Browns, who have continued to win despite being overrun by injuries since the opener. Flacco is their fourth starting quarterback. They're missing both first-team offensive tackles and 12 players, including quarterback Deshaun Watson and running back Nick Chubb, are on injured reserve. So it was fitting they went into their biggest game this season, missing their starting kicker, punter, and wide receiver Omari Cooper, who was coming off a record, a franchise record-setting 265-yard performance on Sunday in Houston. New guys. The Browns got their first looks at kicker Riley Patterson and punter Matt Hack. 
Hack, H-A-A-C-K, both signed earlier this week. Patterson, filling in for an injured Dustin Hopkins, uh, went 4 of 5 on extra points and made a 33-yard field goal with 2 hour, two minutes and 54 seconds left, I believe. Uh, Hack averaged 51.7 yards on 3 punts. Uh, below this is the college football article. Uh, KSU rushing attack heats up in Pop-Tarts Bowl victory. Article by the Associated Press. It um, contains a photo of, I think is like a, 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 um, a football pile up kind of. It's just like this big pile of guys on the field. Um, two of them are standing up and sort of like have their hands in the air. Um, some of the men have like uh, white jerseys um, uh, and the others have like sort of like an indigo, like a dark purple jersey. Um, but, but, but the uh, the um, the uh, photo is captioned Kansas State tight end Garrett Oakley, 86, and offensive lineman Cooper Beeb, 50, signal touchdown as teammate running back DJ Giddens scores against North Carolina State during the first half of Thursday's Pop-Tarts Bowl in Orlando, Florida. Article by, um, oh, it doesn't give a name. Uh, Orlando, Florida. Avery Johnson threw for two touchdowns and ran for one. DJ Giddens rushed for 151 yards and a score in Kansas State beat number 19 North Carolina State in the, pop, in the Pop-Tarts Bowl on Thursday night. Johnson, a freshman making his first start after Will Howard entered the transfer portal, threw for 178 yards, rushed for 71, and directed a 15-play, 72-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter that put the game away and closed out a solid season for Coach Chris Kleinman's Wildcats. Uh, 9-4. to Quarterback Brennan Armstrong rushed for 121 yards and a touchdown and threw for 164 yards in his final game for the Wolfpack, 9-4, who fell short of winning 10 games for the second time in program history. Kansas State led 21-7 in the second quarter and 21-10 at halftime, but NC State rallied in the third quarter thanks in part to some trickery. Trent Pennix ran for a 60-yard touchdown on a fake punt with a minute and 50 seconds left in the period, but Armstrong's two-point conversion pass was incomplete, allowing the Wildcats to maintain a 21-19 lead. Johnson and Giddens uh, took over from there. Giddens had six rushes for 125 yards on a drive that took seven minutes and 74 seconds off the clock and concluded with Johnson's eight-yard touchdown pass to Jace Brown with two minutes and 48 seconds remaining. Jacob Parrish intercepted Armstrong on NC State's next play from scrimmage. Boston College 23, SMU 17. Thomas Castellanos had two fourth-quarter touchdown runs, and Boston College beat number 17 SMU in the Fenway Bowl at the home of the Boston Red Sox, snapping the Mustangs' nine-game winning streak. Castellanos rushed for 155 yards and completed 11 of 18 passes for 102 yards. Kai Kai Robichaud also had a running scoring run for the Eagles, 76, who have a main campus that's located about four miles west of Fenway. 
Kevin Jennings went 24-48 for 191 yards and a touchdown for SMU 11-3, which finished with its most victories since the 1982 squad also got 11. With the Mustangs moving to the Atlantic Coast Conference next season and a sweeping list of realignments that have overtaken college football, it was a matchup of two teams that will see each other again next season in Dallas during league play. Rutgers 21, Miami 24. Kyle Monangay, 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 M-O-N-A-N-G-A-I, rushed for 163 yards and a touchdown on 25 carries to help give Rutgers a victory over Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl at Yankee Stadium. The victory gave the Scarlet Knights 7-6, their first winning season since 2014, when they went 8-4 in their inaugural Big Ten season. The Scarlet Knights opened the season 6-2 but stumbled in November, losing four straight conference games by an average of 20 points. Miami, 7-6, has dropped five straight bowl games. Arizona, 38, Oklahoma, 24. Gunner Maldonado returned a fumble 87 yards for a touchdown and also had an interception as number 14 Arizona, 10-3, forced six turnovers and a 38-24 38-24 comeback victory over number 12 Oklahoma, 10-3 on Thursday night in the Valero Alamo, Alamo Bowl, A-L-A-M-O Bowl. <clears throat> Excuse me. Noah Fifita uh, threw for 354 yards and two touchdowns for Arizona. The Wildcats closed with seven straight victories as they depart the Pac-12 to join the Big 12 next season. Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12 to join the Southeastern Conference. Tete, Tete Roa McMillan, D-E-T-A-I-R-O-A McMillan, had 10 receptions for 160 yards for Arizona. Oklahoma freshman Jackson Arnold threw for 361 yards and two touchdowns, but also had three interceptions in his first career start. Arnold started in place of Dylan Gabriel, who is transferring to Oregon after throwing for 3,660 yards and 30 touchdowns this season. On the top of the page, um, in a column to the right, is an article titled, Bill's player Von Miller calls domestic abuse allegations made against him 100% false. Article by the Associated Press. Buffalo Bills edge rusher Von Miller on Thursday disputed the allegations of him assaulting the mother of his children, who was pregnant, by calling them 100% false and blown out of proportion. In addressing the media for the first time since turning himself into the police in suburban Dallas on November 30th, Miller acknowledged he and his girlfriend have problems just like any couple does, but he then stressed they have not involved any of those things that was alleged against me. It's overblown. I've got the right people on the job, Miller said, referring to his attorneys. I know who I am. I know my character. I know the type of person that I am. I know me and my girlfriend's relationship. The 34-year-old Miller faces a charge of third-degree felony assault of a pregnant woman, which is punishable by two to ten years in prison and a $10,000 fine. He is free after posting a $5,000 bond. The woman and Miller have been in a relationship for seven years. Prosecutors in Dallas have provided no updates on their investigation since Miller turned himself in a day after the alleged assault occurred on November 29th. According to police affidavit, which officials officers wrote, 
Miller twice put his hands on the neck of the woman, pulled out a chunk of her hair, and threw her onto a couch. The woman who was treated for minor injuries, including bruising on her neck, police said. Miller said there were certain issues about the ongoing investigation that he could not address, but said it was important for him to speak out after nearly a month of silence. All of it is incorrect, he said. You know, he said, you know, it's not a funny situation, but all of it is incorrect and all of it is untrue. The only thing that is true is we do have a third son on the way. The Bills have allowed Miller to continue playing because no charges have been filed. The NFL is gathering its own information and following all legal developments. Miller is the NFL's active leader in sacks and a two-time Super Bowl winner. He is in his second season with Buffalo. Um, below this is, are the brief leaves. Vikings. Minnesota switched starting quarterbacks for the fourth time in nine weeks. The Vikings are handing the uh, offense again to rookie Jaron Hall with two must-win games left to make the playoffs. Coach Kevin O'Connell announced that Hall will start against Green Bay. The fifth-round pick from BYU is 8 for 10 for 101 yards and one sack this season. Texans. Quarterback C.J. Stroud said Thursday that he will start this weekend against the Tennessee Titans after missing two games recovering from a concussion. It's great being back, Stroud said. Stroud was injured in a December 10th loss to the Jets when his head bounced off the turf after taking a hit with about six and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, below this is an article titled CFP Ends Talk of a Split National Championship, article by Ralph DeRusso for the Associated Press. The question seemed like a valid one moments after unbeaten ACC champion Florida State was left out of the college football playoff. Could the fourth-ranked Seminoles, with a weakened against defending national champion and number six Georgia in the Orange Bowl, be voted number one in the final Associated Press Top 25 college football poll? As a matter of principle, I'd consider ranking Florida State number one regardless of whether they are in the CFP field, said ESPN's Reese Davis a longtime AP Top 25 voter. Much like the selection process itself, the uh, exercise is who, in my judgment, is the best team. In reality, though, the current state of college football's postseason all but renders the conversation moot. Between players transferring or opting out to concentrate on NFL draft preparations and coaching staffs turned upside down by hirings and firings, the better question these days is how much consideration should poll voters give to postseason's games outside the CFP at all. This is my 14th time as an AP voter, and I definitely think I will be less likely to vote teams considering considerably up or down after the Bulls than I did in the past, said Scott Rabales. Rabales, R-A-B-A-L-A-I-S, of the Advocate of Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. On Saturday at the Orange Bowl, Florida State will be a shell of the team that won the Atlantic Coast Conference Championship. Quarterback Jordan Travis is still recovering from a broken leg, an injury that essentially kept the Seminoles out of the playoff. Many of the FSU's best players, including defensive end Jared First, running back Trey Benson and receiver Keon Coleman have opted out as they look toward the NFL draft. Earlier this week, number two quarterback Tate Rodemaker, Rodemaker maybe? R-O-D-E-M-A-K-E-R, chose to transfer and skip the game. Some of the Seminoles who will play weren't shy about saying they should be number one if they finish at the only unbeaten Power 5 team. 
It's only right, line by linebacker Kalen DeLoach said reporters told reporters at the Orange Bowl, nothing else needs to be said if we're the only undefeated team. The Seminoles will face a Georgia team in much better shape. 19 Bulldogs hit the transfer portal after the season, though most were backup players. It does look as if All-America tight end Brock Bowers and highly regarded tackle Amar- Amarius Mims, A-M-A-R-I-U-S Mims, will miss the game after seasons interrupted by injuries. If Florida State handles Georgia easily and the three CFP games are duds, then I'd gladly vote the Seminoles number one, but it's not going to happen, said AP Top 25 voter Robert Kesna of the Bryan College Station, Texas Eagle. The last time there was a split national title was 2003, when Southern California was voted number one by AP after being left of the BCS title game won by LSU over Oklahoma. The four-team playoff has all but ensured it will never happen again. Um, I only have about three more minutes left, um, but I can read one article on page six. Uh, this one is um, NBA. Uh, sports continues. Um, there's a photo of a man in like a white jersey with like green accents with a basketball in his hands on a court in front of a crowd of people all kind of wearing like white and green as well. Yeah, there's like an eight on his jersey below the word like Celtic Celtics. Um he's being sort of blocked by another man with in a black jersey with like red accents. Um, and it's captions, Celtic center Chris Stapps Porzingis, Porzingis sets to drive against Pistons guard Alec Burks during the first half of Thursday's game in Boston. Article by Pistons tie league. Oh, sorry. It's captioned Pistons tie league record with 28 straight defeat. Article by the Associated Press. Boston. Hoping to avoid a 28th straight loss that would match the longest losing streak in NBA history, the Detroit Pistons forced overtime against the league's best Celtics on Thursday night before Boston recovered to win 128-122. to Despite making it to overtime for the first time in the skid, Detroit matched the trust-the-process Philadelphia 76ers with a 28 straight losses. The Pistons need a victory at home against Toronto on Saturday night to avoid breaking the record. Detroit opened a 21-point lead um, in the first half, only to trail 106 to 100 in the final two minutes of regulation. Jaden Ivey scored six um, straight points to erase the deficit. Then Bojan uh, Bogdanovic made a putback with 4.6 seconds left to send it to overtime. But Derek White scored 10 of his 23 points in the extra period, and Chris Stops Porzingis, Porzingis had 6 in overtime. Porzingis has thir- had 35 points, 11 in the fourth quarter. Pelicans, 112. Jazz, 105. Brandon Ingram, Ingram highlighted a 26-point performance with a three-pointer that sparked an 8-2 run in the final two minutes and 35 seconds and hosts New Orleans held off Utah. Timberwolves 118, Mavericks 110. Anthony Edwards scored a season-high 44 points and Rudy Gobert had 20 points and 11 rebounds rebounds as host Minnesota held on to beat Dallas. Pacers 120, Bulls 104. 
NBA assist lead Tyrese Halliburton had a career high 20 without a turnover and scored 21 points to help visiting Indiana hold off Chicago. Nuggets 142, Grizzlies 105. Nikola Jokic um, had 26 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists, and hosts Denver point posted its highest points total of the season in a victory over shorthand in Memphis. Heat 114, Warriors 102. Tyler Hero um, uh, had 26 points and 7 rebounds to help shorthanded Miami beat host Golden State for its fourth straight victory. Spurs 118, Trailblazers 105. Victor Wimbanyama had 30.6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 7 blocks as visiting San Antonio snapped a 5-game losing streak. Lakers 133, Hornets 112. LeBron James had 17 points and 11 assists two days before his 39th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Uh, Anthony Davis had 26 points and 8 rebounds and host Los Angeles sent Charlotte to its ninth straight loss. That brings us to the end of today's reading of the Sioux City Journal. I'm your reader, Katie Davis. Thanks for sharing your time with Iris, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Um, uh, and please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.